0: So I started last week and I was challenging you and really today is kind of the, if you want to say this, it's kind of the kickoff of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so, uh, last week I was just sharing with you a little bit about what that means and how do you go about it. And so, you know, uh, this is one thing I would encourage you with, uh, even in these next 21 days. I'm not telling you what to fast or how to fast or whatever. You know, me and Adam were having a conversation yesterday and we were talking about fasting and, you know, and it, we were just talking about it and he said, you know, the Bible just says that when you fast, but it never really tells you when. Well, I don't know about you, but I've just never had the idea like, hey, I think I want to fast. So sometimes I can help jumpstart you and just say, hey, we're going to start off the first of the year uh, in really honoring the Lord and seeking the Lord. And this morning I'll be sharing some with you about uh, part of what you can be doing in these next couple of weeks. And so, you know, ultimately what is fasting about? If you weren't here last week, you can go on the website and you can hear the message. I'm not going to re-preach it, but here's a very simple definition. Fasting is simply taking a break from everything of life and it's redirecting of all of our appetites towards heaven. So we don't watch TV. That's that's one thing you can do. You don't have to. I'm just giving you an example. Some of you may give up certain meals. Some of you may give up meals. Some of you may take time and say, man, instead of doing, and you know, I I bought some golf clubs yesterday. I'm not a golfer, but I bought some. And uh, so we'll see. But some people, you may not go play golf. And in that time that you would normally go play golf, what are you going to do? You're going to seek the Lord. Because why? Is it something that you want to do? I mean, Joey, you're a golfer. You like playing golf? Most days, right? Most days. At the beginning, you really like it. Maybe not so much towards the end. But, well, what is that? That is a form of an appetite. I mean, we all have food appetite, right? Well, how many of you know that we also have many appetites, not just food? We have interests, things that we're into, things that we like. Well, fasting is simply taking a season or a set time and just say, you know what, I'm going to remove some of those appetites because my greatest appetite is to be with God and to know Him and to intimately have a relationship with Him. And sometimes we have to hit pause in areas of life that we can. Now, you can't fast work. I I suppose you can if you have enough vacation. You could fast work, but most of you, guess what? How many of y'all going to work in the morning? So why? Because that's still part of life. And maybe, you know, tomorrow morning, I can't say, Lord, I'm going to fast. I can't change Max's diapers. I mean, I guess I could say that and about the time there would probably be coming at me with something or throwing something my direction. There are certain things in life that I have to do, but there's a lot of things that I don't have to do. And I can say, Lord, as a sacrifice of my life, Romans 12 says that we're to be living sacrifices before the Lord. And I believe that if you'll take this time and I'm not telling you what to do. Everybody hear that? Dara told me, she said, sometimes the way you talk about it, everybody thinks you're going to be just drinking water. That's not what I'm doing. So let me just clear that up. Um, I have done that. Um, not necessarily for the full 21 days. But there are things. And this is what I would encourage you to do. And this was my encouragement last week. Is that you need to pray and ask the Lord, what do you want me to do? Know. You know, because I believe that there's... I believe that, you know, it says about Daniel, and I shared this last week. Is that when they fasted, you know, there's a such thing as a Daniel fast. Right? What is that? Fruits and vegetables and grains, basically. You know, just keep it fruits and vegetables. And that's basically Daniel fast, which there's lots of health benefits. There's nothing wrong with it. But it says that Daniel wouldn't eat the king's meat. And it says that when he did a fast, it's not about so much. Let me say it this way. It's not so much about what you do. It's the why that you're doing it. It's just like tithing. It's just like giving. It matters more the why. And even if it's a baby step, God's going to honor that baby step. I've shared with you many times that I failed miserably at fasting. And when the Lord told me to do it, I was like, "Mm mm-mm. I can't do that. I've tried it. I've failed miserably. I can't do that. You know, and, and so it took much prayer and maybe some tears before the Lord to say, okay, I'll try. You know, but the thing is that I learned is that I was able to do much more than I ever thought when I depended upon the Lord. You know, and when I would, you know, those hunger pains or those desires would kick in, and I would say, Okay, Lord, I need some help, Holy Spirit, right now. And you know what it showed me was how much I didn't depend on the Holy Spirit in my day to day life. Because, hey, when you put aside certain things and all of a sudden it begins to draw on you, you realize how much those things have a place in your life. And really, how much, and really to me, it it made me realize how really limited I had been living my life. Simply because I wasn't walking in the power of the Holy Spirit that was available to me. It's not because I didn't, you know, it wasn't because I was intentionally doing it. I just didn't know. And so even during these weeks, you know, one of the things, I'll just mention this. And I don't, as I was praying this week about this sermon. And about, you know, I've had these notes for a while now uh, for this particular one. But as I was praying this week, I felt uh, pretty strongly about this. And so I'm just going to kind of put it out there. Um. You know, and if it resonates with you, then maybe it's the Lord. Uh, but one of the things that I really felt and, I, and I've said before is that if you would honor the Lord during this time, the rest of your year would be blessed. I believe, um, and, and this may be for multiple people, could be for one, I don't know. But... Uh, that. <laughs> Specifically for those with children, uh, this applies, could apply to you. And maybe it's family and, you know, whatever it may be, is that there may be specific things that the Lord will have you do. Let me give you an example. He may say, turn the TV off and spend time talking and playing and having a good time with your kids. Turn the TV off, go to the park. You know, that's spiritual if it's with your kids and they get your undivided attention. Well, that may the Lord may instruct you to do that. Hey, why don't y'all have a a board game night as a family where y'all laugh instead of everybody going to their own rooms and being on their phones and being on the computers and doing these types of things. Why don't you lay all of that aside and actually come into relationship with one another? And I believe if you'll do that, because here's the thing, especially, and I'll say this, especially as kids get a little bit older, it, it can become very important. And there are crucial points in time that if you'll do that and take time with them, that God will bless your relationship even further and it will save you many heartaches down the road. Amen. Why? Because you have a relationship with your child. Amen. You're not just mom, you're not just dad, you're not just the authority. No, you're the father, you're the mother, you're the one who loves them and cares for them, and you've invested time in them. And that will make a difference in their life. And so those, I mean, that's a type of something that you could do that's not just food. Everybody thinks, oh, i got to go without this or that. No, you need to ask the Lord, what would you have me lay aside? And so this morning I want to share some things with you uh, along these lines. And really the title of this is, the series is called First. Each week I kind of have a a subtitle, if you will. And so this is First Week 2. But the title of this particular uh, message is God's Pro... Hyphen vision And you'll understand that here in a few minutes. So the word pro-vision. And I believe that we need to understand what God's plan and purpose is for our families this year. And for our lives this year. I mean there is kind of the overarching like what's God's plan for my life? Well how do you get to God's plan for your life? One year at a time. One day at a time. One week at a time. And so we need to know. God what do you want to do in my life this year? God, is there an area of my life that you would ask me to stretch out into and maybe to step into a new arena this year and to move up in my relationship with you or maybe in things that I do? And, and God may place things in your heart and you say, there's no way I could do that. Yeah. Well, that means it might be God. You know, there's a quote from a book that I've read um, and it says this and it says, if the dreams of your life don't intimidate you, then, then they probably are, are insulting to God. If you're not intimidated by the God dream in your heart, it may not be big enough. And it's probably God saying, hey, i got a lot more than that for you. But we, we're not aware of it. We don't see it. We don't understand it. And so, well, how do we find out what God's plan is for us, even individually and also us corporately? I believe that even during these next 21 days, that we're setting the stage for what God will do in the next 11 months. Why? Because it's the principle of first. We've taken the first of the year and we're offering it to the Lord. And when we give the first to the Lord, the rest is blessed. How many of you believe that? I hope you do, especially if you're a giver. When you honor the Lord first, the rest will be blessed. Well, that is true also in our lives. And I want to offer up the Lord the first, the best. I mean, because right now it's the first of the year. And I want to give God the first of my year and say, God, I don't want to know what I want to do this year. What do you want to do this year that I get to be a part of? I want to be a part of your plan. And why does that give me great, uh, even enthusiasm? Because I'm not just trying to figure out life on my own. And so I'm going to share a few things this morning along this line. And some of these verses are fairly familiar and some of them may not be. But uh, you can turn with me to Proverbs 29 verse 18. Proverbs 29, verse 18. It's a very familiar or famous scripture, if you will. Other translations say, where there is no vision, people perish. How many of you ever heard that verse? Where there is no vision, people perish. Where there is no purpose. So here's, uh, the New Living says it this way. It says, when people do not accept divine guidance, they will run wild. When people don't accept divine guidance, they will run wild. And he says, whoever obeys the law is joyful. Now that word there where it talks about vision, it really doesn't just mean like a plan. How many of you ever think of like having a vision as having a plan? Like, hey, this is what I'm going to do. This is the way I want to go about it. When you look at this and you really kind of go and study it out a little bit, it really means a prophetic vision. Well, what's prophetic? It's about the future, right? Isn't that the way prophecy works? Part of one of the elements <clears throat> that is involved with, <clears throat> excuse me, with prophecy is it a prophetic vision. So without, you can say it this way, and other, the Amplified Bible says it this way. Without the redemptive revelation, people will perish. He's talking about salvation, ultimately. But it's also talking about God's plan. Why, how will you know in December if you did what God told you to do this year, if he didn't tell you about it before? I mean, the Bible's full of prophetic things. And God says, hey, I'll tell you from the beginning about the end. And so I can, I can ask the Lord now, say, would you reveal to my heart what you want me to do this year? And here, and it really says that without a prophetic vision, it's not just having a plan. It says that people will perish or people will suffer. Or guess what? People won't experience all of the blessings of God. You won't experience all that God has for you. Why? Because you've never asked him for his purpose for this year. And it's important, I mean, as we're kind of kicking off this first uh, day, really for me, today is day one of the fasting. And so I would hope that that you would actually take me seriously as your pastor and say, Okay, maybe I should listen to my pastor, because if not, then I shouldn't be your pastor. I know that's a little strong, but I'm not just saying this because it's something that everybody does. I'm telling you, this has been a tremendous blessing in my life. A tremendous blessing in my life. And it has brought a strength into my life that I have never known. And no, I didn't just start last year. I've been doing this for years now. And man, it has produced something in my life. And so why wouldn't I share that with you? And so part of it here is that we need God's vision, God's purpose, God's plans in our life. In Proverbs chapter 16 verse 1, it says this. It says, we can make our own plans, but the Lord gives the right answer. Many people are making their own plans. They're called New Year's resolutions. You know, I saw a church sign the other day. And it said, may your... May your uh, oh, how did it word it? Do you remember how I told you it said it? It was, uh, may, your may your troubles last as long as your New Year's resolutions. <laughs> and I thought, well, all right. Okay, I guess. That, you know. But many people right now are making New Year's resolutions. And guess what? I don't. They don't work for me. I make New Year's resolutions, and it's whatever the tenth. They're already over. Like I mean, those are good ideas, but it's different when I have prayed and asked the Lord for His plan and His desires. Why? Because there, I believe, comes a supernatural anointing along with God's plan. There comes a new grace into our life. It says about Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach. Says they had a supernatural ability to learn, a supernatural anointing to learn. Well, if God can give them an an, an ability and an aptitude mentally, well, can't God do that in every part of our life when we simply put the principles at work in our life? Well, of course He can. Well, many people make their own plans. The problem is they never ask God about His plans. They never ask God for His wisdom, His thoughts. In verse 3, it says that we're to commit our actions to the Lord and then our plans will succeed. God doesn't guarantee that because I'm a believer, because I'm a Christian, because I'm a tongue talker, that everything I do is just going to turn to gold. It's not Midas touch in that way. It's not just, well, I get to do whatever I want and God's just going to bless it just because he loves me that much. The problem is that doesn't line up with scripture. It says here, commit your actions. Turn over control of your life to the Lord and then your plans will succeed. Well, if I commit my ways, if I turn over my life to the Lord and I ask him, God, what do you want for me? Why is he going to bless what I'm doing? Because I've asked him, what does he want me to do? I'm not coming to the Lord and saying, okay, Lord, this is what I want to do. Now bless it. No, what I'm doing is saying, Lord, I have some things in my heart, but are these from you? And I need your plan, I need your thoughts, I need your intentions for me and my family and my job and my business and all these areas of my life. Why? Because the only way that I'm guaranteed that plans will succeed is if they're the Lord's. That's the only way that I'm guaranteed that God will bless and really fulfill those things. Well, Proverbs 29, what? A prophetic vision. In other words, I'm the God who sees ahead and I will declare the end from the beginning. You need God's thoughts and God's intentions for you, your family, your kids, your life for this year. And if you'll take this seriously and, per, and really press in and pursue what God would have to speak to you, God is faithful. He will speak. Amen. He will give us instructions. Jesus declared that my sheep know my voice and the voice of the enemy or the stranger. They will not follow. That was Jesus. That's your Lord and your Savior. Says, "Hey, you're going to know my voice." Let me, let me break it down real simple. How do I know if the Lord's speaking to me? Just put it up in light and compare it to John ten ten. Is it going to be evil? Is it going to be bad? I mean, there's some things there. No, God has good things for us. Doesn't mean that they're not challenging. It just doesn't mean that God's not going to ask us to stretch our life and to stretch out in some new areas. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've never had God tell me, "You're good." Just stay where you are. I mean, if I ever get there, I'm just going to go to heaven. Just take me now. Because I know in a minute I'm going to mess it up. So, just left to myself, I'm going to thing. No, God is always challenging me to grow. He's challenging me to stretch out. And the truth is, the same is true for every one of us. Why? Because he loves us too much to leave us alone. Because he wants all of his blessings. He wants all of the benefits of salvation in our lives. But sometimes we need to hear from him. Verse 9 here in Proverbs 16 says this. It says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Other translations say that uh, man can make his plans, but the Lord establishes or sets man's steps in place. In other words, he's already got a path for us to walk. Before I was born, God knew I would be the pastor of this church, but it was up to me to walk in that path. But it was a choice that I had to walk. God had already laid out a path. Now, I didn't know it. I didn't see it. I didn't know how it would work. But the Lord had already established my steps. The Bible says He knows the beginning of our life from the end of our life. So if He knows the end of our life, then He also has a, a, a specific plan and purpose for this year for you. Right? Because yeah. how is she going to get to the end where he wants you to be if you can't do things now to help you get there? Right. And it's more than just, well, me and mine and, and we're taking care of our stuff and my bills are paid. and That's the beginning. Yeah. But God will never stop there. Yeah. No, God wants us to be blessed, but there's a purpose even in the blessing. Yeah. He wants us healed, but there's a purpose in the, in the, the healing. Why? Because now we have a testimony Now we have a story and it's not just something that we've read from, well, at church they said this. No, this is my life. When people tell me that God doesn't heal today, I have a strong conviction that says otherwise. Why? Because I've been healed. God has supernaturally worked in my life. So people can't tell me, well, God don't heal. Maybe God don't heal you, but God's healed me, so. I'm not going to argue about it. I'm not going to get, you know, obstinate about it. But hey, no, God does heal. God does work. God still helps and God still delivers and God still moves. Why? Because I've experienced the power and the presence of God. And many of you I know have. Well, that's a testimony. Everything that God does in us is ultimately so he can work it out of us. So God has things that he wants to work in your life this year. Why? For his plans and his purposes and ultimately for his glory. And so God establishes or sets our steps before us that we may walk in them. And it's important that we take this time and seek the Lord about what he wants for us and from us. Of course, Jeremiah 29, 11, it says this about the Lord. He says, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster to give you a hope or a future and a hope. Why should you, what's hope? A confident expectation of good. I'm confident that God has good things for me in 2016. What is that? I need to pray about it because he's got a future for me. That's what it says. I know the plans that I have for you. And they're to give you a future and a hope. I'm confident that God will do good things in my life this year. How many of you would say that? Okay. Have you asked the Lord what those good things are? God, what do you want to speak into my life right now that I need to know for this year? See, we have to learn, or we must learn to place God first and listen and watch for what he would have us do and become. We have to put him first priority, then we listen, then we're watching and we're paying attention to what he's saying. Why? Because then he'll give us instructions. I'm convinced that there's a supernatural, uh, if you will, a, a blessing that will come upon this season. And I believe not just this season. I believe any time that you fast. I don't care if it's July and you say, I'm a, I am feel like I need to fast. God will bless it. Why? Because it's something different. And I don't know how to explain it. I, I don't know that I can just tell you. There's something about when you set time aside to seek the Lord. I mean, it, 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 what is it? it? It's ultimately, it's a step of faith. It's saying, God, man, I, there's things that I need, things I want, things I'm in But you're more important. And it's that principle of first. It's that, God, I'm putting you above anything else. And so, you know, even as we're talking about this, is that God has specific things for you this year. Let me read you a few verses here about this. And, and I've already touched on it, but I want to give you some some word to go along with it. Psalms 37, verse. Um, let me read you verse 4 and 5. Scott, I didn't give this one to you. So you're not going to have it for the screens, but you can hear me. Um, In verse 4, it says, Take delight in the Lord. It says, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Or He'll give you your hearts. How many of you have ever heard that verse? Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. How many people quote that all the time? (laughs) Maybe they should go read verse 5. Because people say that all the time. Oh, God's going to give me anything I want. Well, that's not what that scripture is saying. It's really not. I mean, people quote it like that. God's my lottery machine. Come on, Powerball. (laughs) Just need seven numbers or whatever. I don't know what it is. Just let me pray and get those numbers. 22, 35. I I mean, but that is how people kind of treat the Lord sometimes. Lord, I need a divine revelation this week. I will fund the gospel, Lord. Just let me hit that lottery. Well, that's my heart's desire. I'm about to go down a rabbit trail. I need to stop. Let me get back to the scripture. Verse 4 it says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the, your heart's desire. Verse 5 commit everything. Not some things, not most things, not church things, not things I want to talk about at church. Commit everything. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust Him and He will help you. There's that pesky little phrase again. Commit to the Lord. Hand it over. Lord, this is not my life. I'm not in control. I'm going to commit my life to you. Well... When I delight myself in the Lord, he's going to give me the desires of my heart. Why? Because I have committed my life to him. And I like this part. It says, when you trust him, he will help you. God may lay some things on your heart and your immediate reaction to be like, I can't do that. I don't want to do that. There's no way that could happen. Trust in the Lord. If you'll trust in the Lord, you will see God do things that you never thought possible. Those things that you're like, man, that, that'd be awesome. You have those desires in your heart, but it seems a million miles away. But God may give you a plan, may give you specific wisdom, may give you certain things to do that would propel you forward to get to that place even quicker than you would ever get on your own, if you would ever get there on your own. Because many times we won't get there on our own without His help. Verse 23 says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly and He delights in every detail of their lives. God cares about every little facet of your life. There's nothing about your life that God is not interested in. He's not interested in being Lord 20% of the time, 30% of the time, 60% of the time. No, He wants to be Lord 100% of the time. Why? Because when, when that is true of our lives, there's tremendous blessings that come. God can do things and work miracles and do the supernatural in our life. Why? Because we have given him access to everything. Everything of our life. Jeremiah 10, 23. I know many of us can struggle with this thought, but we, we think that our plans are good and we, man, we can figure things out and we can lay things out. Well, here, here's a statement from the uh, prophet Jeremiah. And he says... Um, Oh Lord, I know, and this is out of the Amplified Bible, Jeremiah ten twenty three. Oh Lord, I know the determination of the way of a man is not in himself. Like, what does that even mean? That means man can't figure out life in and of himself. That's why people pursue finances and stuff and luxury, their life, and then they get it all and they realize this is all empty. Because the way of life is not hidden in man. We will never figure out life on our own. It's impossible. You can have everything you would ever want and be miserable. Why? Because the way of of life is not in us. He goes on he says, It is not in man, even in a strong man, or in a man at his best, to direct his own steps. (laughs) That's a powerful statement. And I like the way the Amplified says there, It says, it is not in man, even in a strong man or a man at his best, to direct his own steps. On our best day, we can't get our steps right. That's why we need the Lord. That's why we need to hear from Him. That's why we need to ask Him and inquire of Him. I mean, the Bible says, if you ask, I will answer. And this is an important aspect of our life here. The message translation of this same verse says it this way. It says It says, I know God that mere mortals can't run their own lives. That men and women don't have what it takes to take charge of life. Truly, when we're in control of our life, we're not in control of anything. We think we are. But we're not. We're just going through life, waiting for the next event to happen to see how we're going to respond to it. We're not in control. Now, I'll give you an example of this. This is an easy one. I can say, well, I'm in control of my car as I'm driving. Mm -hmm. And hopefully I am in control. Here's the problem. I'm not in control of every other person on the road. I mean, a couple years ago, this happened to me and Derek. Minding our own business, driving the speed limit, nice day, sun shining, no rain. All of a sudden, the dude in front of me cuts across. I swerve and he smashes the back end of my truck, totaled the truck. I was in control, but I wasn't in control. And many people feel that way. I'm in control of my life. I'm in control of my... Well, when I'm walking in the divine plan of God, there's protection. And it's not to say that, well, I got in a wreck. God, where did I miss it? That's not what I'm saying either. But there are blessings to being in the will of God. I mean, it wouldn't matter if you're in the middle of a war zone. If you're in the will of God, there's protection. Go read Psalm 91. Only with my eyes am I going to see the destruction of others. But it will not come near me. No plagues coming near my house. Why can I say that? Because I'm where God told me to be. Because I'm walking in His path and His plan for my life. So until we get God's vision for our life, and here's the key. Until we have God's vision for our life, then His provision will not come. Many people asking God, help me with my bills. Help me with this. Help me with that. Lord, do this. Lord, do that. His provision will not come until we have his vision. I like to say it this way. God won't bless nothing. We have to have a plan. And then, ultimately, it's not just my plan. I need God's plan. I need God's wisdom. And then he says, I'll bless that. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't natural things. I mean, I can just tell you, and I've shared this many times, but when me and Darren initially were getting out of debt, one of the first things that he did, we got a budget. Why? Because the Bible says I need one. Here's the other side of that. Before I ever made a budget, this is what the Lord gave me, a specific instruction. You call your dad and tell him how much debt you're in. That was the last phone call on the planet I wanted to make. You kidding me? I'll call anybody else. I don't want to call him. Well, what did that do? It took humility on my part. Because that was like ultimate failure in my eyes to admit that to my dad. And then we got a plan. And guess what? God began to supernaturally bless what we were doing. I mean, supernaturally began to bless us. Could we have gotten out of debt in our plan? Eventually. Eventually. But yet God got involved and it was something supernatural came on the scene. And all of a sudden, everything accelerated. What was the difference? My plan and God's plan. God said, David, I'm not going to bless what you want, but I will bless what I ordain. And I had to be obedient to his instruction, even though I didn't want to do it. It wasn't my plan. Trust me. My plan was, heck no, I'm not making that phone call. No. No, I do not want to do that. Okay, am I going to commit my way to the Lord? Yes or no? Because that's the question. Life's not difficult with God. It's pretty simple. It's the doing it that gets complicated and can be hard. But God will give us the wisdom that we need. And so, and here's the reason that God's provision won't come until we have His purpose or His vision for our life. We would use the provision for the wrong purpose. If we don't know the right purpose... Of the provision. Then we will misuse it. And God won't waste his provision. You know I use this example. But God really blessed us in just multiple ways. Where we had work. You know supernatural things came up. And they were like hey would you do this. Would you do. Well it increased our income. Things we weren't necessarily even looking for. I mean I'll just give you an example. Just to be very proud. I delivered phone books. Because I was proactive. Well, I went and did what I did. And then they called and they said, hey, we got this route nobody else will take. Will you take it? I'll pay 400 or four, $500 if you'll do it this week. It took me four hours. That's pretty good money. I don't know about you. I don't know. What, I mean, I'm no brain surgeon, but that's pretty good money. Because no. Well, why was it? I was. I'd already done what I said. And, I, I, and this is no joke. A phone book got delivered to my door in a little bag. And it said, hey, would you like to deliver phone books make some extra cash? And I thought, I need some extra cash. You know, I could have just as easily said, there, we just got 500 bucks, man. Let's go to town. Let's go eat good. Let's go spend some money. Let's do all this stuff. As soon as I got that check, I went and deposited in the bank. And I went and paid on my debt. Why? Because I had a plan. I had a God-ordained plan. And that added... And when, the, when you know it's God, there's a conviction about it. All of a sudden, oh, this money didn't come just because... Just because. No, God brought this into my life for a purpose. So if I understand the vision, I understand the provision. I understand where it goes. They're connected. And so many times I believe that we as believers don't experience all that God wants to do simply because we've not rightly understood His purpose and His vision for our lives. I've said this a couple times already, but God won't bless our plans, but He will bless His plans and purposes in our lives. But if we're going to accomplish God's plans, then we're going to need his provision and resources to do it. God will never ask you to do something that you can do on your own. Never. If you can do it, it's not God. I can just tell you. I've never had God give me any specific instruction that I thought, I can do that. I can do that. No problem. No. Why? Because then it wouldn't require him. And anything that God's going to require of us to do, it's going to cause you to stretch. It's going to cause you to move into a new area where you're going, Okay, God, if you ain't got this, I, mm, it's not going to be good. So let me, for the, for the sake of our understanding, I want to break this word down, provision. So, you know, I told you earlier that the title of this message was God's Pro-Vision, right? Here's Why? If we we understand this word, I believe it will help us to understand what the Lord's trying to do. Number one, the word pro. Really, when you go in, one of the definitions is the word for. In other words, I'm for that. Give you an example. We have the term pro-life. What does that mean? It means I'm for life and I'm against abortion. Right? Pro-life. I'm for life. So, pro for Vision. Provision is for the vision. God's provision is for the vision that he will place in your life. Does that make sense? So God has a vision. Not only does he have a vision for you, he has provision for that vision. But if you don't have the vision, he has nothing to provide for So we have to understand that God will bless his plans. And not only is it his plans, but God says, hey, if it's my plan, then I'm going to bless it and I'm going to provide for it. Even in those, and 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 look, I know naturally we just think money. What about if God asks you to do something, to step outside of yourself? Let me just give you an easy one. God wants you to teach. You're like, I can't teach. Well, guess what? I couldn't either. I failed speech three times in college. So you want to compare resumes? There's mine. (laughs) the only way I could pass speech in college was because I started preaching persuasive speech why was Paul the greatest apostle in my opinion it was persuasive speech that's how I got through it every speech that's what I did God I can't talk I can't speak in front of people sure you can when I help you you're right you can't that's why I asked you to do it because every time I get up to speak, I'm very aware that I cannot do this. God will not ask you to do something you can do on your, on your own strength. In your own abilities. I mean, I, I, I know stories of even some of you. God told you to go to school and pursue this degree. And you're like, I can't do that. I'm not smart enough for that. I, can't, I don't have the money for that. Let me give you another natural example. Well, God's called me to go to school, but I'm broke. God's a- asking me to do this, asking me to do that. Okay. So start pursuing. Well, I don't know where to start. You've got to apply first. Start. Take a first step. Maybe God's stirring something in your heart that he wants you to begin to pursue. And it's going to take faith. And you're like, well, I want the provision. You've got to step first. You've got to get the vision and you've got to start to pursue that vision. And as you pursue that vision, the provision will come. problem is most of the time we just want to sit and wait. Well, when the, when the provision comes, I, I'm, I'm going to do that. Hebrews says without faith it's impossible to please God. So we've got to get God's heart, God's vision for our lives. So I said that, is that this word provision is simply it's for the vision. If we don't have a clear purpose to move towards, then we have nothing that God will bless and provide for. That word clear is important in that statement. A clear vision. You need to know what God's heart is for your family. For your life. For this year. Say, God, what do you want to do in my life? What do you want to use me for right now? What do you want to fulfill in me and out of me this year? Because when we have God's plan, God's thoughts, God's intention, guess what? And we walk it out. Commit your ways to the Lord. And what? He will protect you. He will provide for you. He will work. He will not only do that. He's going to give you the desires of your heart. This is where I believe many people miss that verse. They think, well, God's going to give me whatever I want. No, God put desires in you that will fulfill you. That he formed in you. I believe that we are coded in our DNA with purpose to fulfill in certain functions. And until those are fulfilled, we will never be happy. Yeah. No amount of success, no amount of anything else will ever satisfy until you're doing the thing you were created to do. Yeah. And there's a fulfillment that comes in that. You're Like, well, I don't know what God's ultimate plan is for my life. I don't, I'm just working a job. I'm just raising a family. I'm... I, I, God's never told me what my plan is. I mean, it's great. You know, you're a preacher. That's good. God talks to preachers. That's awesome. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> but I don't know what my plan is. I got to go to work tomorrow and I got to pay bills tomorrow. Well, I said it earlier. How do you get to God's vision and God's plan for your life? Just figure out this year. Let's just start with here. This in a sense, is step one. Maybe you've never asked God, hey, what's your plan for me this year? Maybe this is the year you should. Maybe this is the time to ask the Lord. What would you ask me to step out into this year? God may challenge you in some areas. And it won't be comfortable. God is not interested in your comfort. (laughs) Not at all. God is interested in your growth. And He desires our growth. Well, if I listen to God, he's going to show me how to grow. We have the Holy Spirit. For what? To lead us, to guide us, to instruct us, to walk with us, to show us things that we don't know, to remind us of the things that we may have forgotten. And when we walk with the Lord, he will provide. Another fairly familiar passage of scripture, many of you will know it, but in Habakkuk chapter 2, I'm just going to kind of pull this out of, out of what it's in, but I would encourage you to go back and read Habakkuk 1 and 2. You know, here a while back I was sharing with you about living in, um, I don't remember the title, but I was talking about living in the days in which we live, or trying days. Go read Habakkuk 1, the chapter. And he talks about, God, why does it seem like the wicked are being blessed? And why does it seem like they're doing all these things? And why does it seem like everything's falling apart? Habakkuk lived in a day just like ours. I would encourage you to go read it and read God's response. It'll make you feel good. i tell you that. But, I'm not preaching on that this morning. And get back to what I am preaching on. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. I'm going to read this out of the Amplified Bible. Because he's asking the Lord. Because this is really the second time he prays to the Lord. And then the Lord responds. He says, and the Lord answers me and says to write the vision and engrave it so plainly upon tablets, so that everyone who passes may be able to read it easily and quickly as he hastens by. Write the vision, make it plain, so that he who runs can read it quickly. Verse 3, it says, For the vision is yet for an appointed time, and it hastens to the end. It will not deceive or disappoint, though it tarry, wait earnestly for it. Because it will surely come and it will not be behind on its appointed day. It will not be behind in its appointed day. The vision is not necessarily for today, but there is a, an appointed day. How many of you know that God's word will not fail? It will not come up short and it will not come up late. It has an appointed time, an appointed moment. That God says, hey, I've already established my purpose and what I need you to do is to write it out so that when you forget, you can even see it at a quick glance and to be reminded of my purpose for you. Verse 2 says this, I'll repeat it. It says, to write the vision and engrave it so plainly upon tablets so that even when somebody passes by, they could read it quickly and easily. Now, I'll leave this up to you. What you think. But I would encourage you to pray. And ask the Lord his purpose for your life. And write it down. You can put it on the fridge if you so choose. You don't have to. For me, I would put it on a note on my iPad. Why? Because my iPad's with me all the time. And then it's on my phone. Which is always with me. And I can't tell you how many times that I've gone back to things that God has stirred in my heart. Spoke to my heart. And I go back to say, okay, I need to remind myself of what the Lord said. Because it's going to get tough. And when it gets tough, I need to be able to go back to a word. I need to be able to go back and say, God, why am I doing this? It doesn't seem to be working. It just seems like it's a lot of frustration. And it seems like I'm just spinning my wheels. And it seems like nothing's happening. Verse 3 says, the vision is for an appointed time. It says, it will not deceive or disappoint, though it tarries. In other words, though it seems like it ain't nothing happening. Though it waits. Though the vision tarries, wait earnestly for it. My modern day language is, be patient. Be patient. Why? Because God's not done yet. You're just in the middle of the story, but the story has an ending. In the Bible, again, the Lord declares the end from the beginning. And if you know the end, then it helps you to walk through the middle of some stuff and say, No, I know what it may look like right now, but I know where I'm headed. And I know what God has promised me and what what the thing that he has stirred in my heart that I prayed about in January. And I know it's August and it doesn't seem like it, but I'm still believing and still standing. And I'm not going to quit and I'm not going to give up because I know what the Lord stirred in my heart in January when I sought him. And it's not December 31st yet. And so I'm going to keep standing and believing the word of God in my life. Because that's how we fulfill what God wants for us. Individually, corporately, we need the mind of God. You know, one of the verses that the Lord gave me when we first came here about the church, before we would even moved here, was that um, unless the Lord builds the house, he, those who labor, labor in vain. The Lord has to build your life or all of your work and all of your toil. And let me say it this way, all of your savings... Mean nothing. I work hard so I can retire. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if your confidence is in that retirement fund. There's nothing wrong with savings. I believe in it. I mean there's been many times that I was real thankful we had some savings. Because without it we would have been in trouble. So I'm not saying that. But unless the Lord builds your house. Unless the Lord builds your life, those who labor, labor in vain. All your work means nothing if the Lord didn't build your house. Why? Because it's a house of cards. A little gentle breeze will knock it all over. Now the Lord says, get my vision. Commit your ways to me. Come to me. Put me first. And when you put me first... And, and get my desire and my plans and my thoughts for you. I'm going to bless my plans in your life. It doesn't always mean that the road's smooth. But it means that, hey, there's grace for the bumpy moments. Yeah. There's strength. There's ability for those moments. Where things don't happen the way we think. Or the way that they, we feel like they should have. Or things didn't pan out quite the way we wanted. No, there's grace. But I have a firm foundation. Remember, Jeremiah 29. God has given you what? A hope. And a future. The Amphalite says an expected end. God gives you an expected end. To what? To this year? To this season? To my life? I mean, hey, when I die, life just begins. Because I have an expected end. I'm not going to the great unknown. Oh no, I know where I'm going. I have a future. I have a hope, ultimately. But just as I'm as confident about that, I can be just as confident about 2016. I mean, I'm not planning on checking out and going to heaven early this year. So that means I'm going to walk out 2016. Well, just as God has an ultimate good plan for me, God has a good plan for me this year. Just as God has an ultimate good plan for you in eternity, God has a good plan for you this year. But it's going to take a little bit of time on your part. It's going to take some removing... I started off saying this... Even during this time of fasting, what is it? It's a redirecting of our appetite towards heaven. I'm going to take time and say, Lord, I think there's some things in my heart, but I need to bring them to the altar. There's things that I, that I sense in my heart that you may want me to do this year, but I'm not sure. So I'm going to come and lay them before you. And I'm going to seek your face. And I'm going to ask you to speak to me and instruct me. And if you, if you tell me that, yes, I want you to do this or this and this, then I need you to help me to figure out how to do it. And what's the path to do that? Because I need your blessing and I need your grace and I need your ability to do it because the way of life is not in me and I'm confident of that. Every time I come up with a plan, usually nothing works the way I think and nothing happens the way I think. The thing I've learned about the Lord, when He establishes something, it's going to happen just the way He said Now, it may look differently than what I thought, but in the end, it's exactly what he said. God's never missed it in my life. Never. And the same is true for all of us. And this year is no different. But we're going to have to take some time here at the first, and that's why I'm encouraging you. Just be obedient to the Lord. Be obedient to the Holy Spirit. That's why God gave him to us. So I don't have to stand up here and say Here's the the fast that the Lord has chosen We are to all not eat bread for 21 days And don't do this and don't do that Let me say it another way And and, And please hear me Hear what I'm telling you I trust the Holy Spirit to speak But I trust you to hear Do you hear that? I trust you to hear from the Lord I don't need to hear from the Lord every detail of your life. Not that God won't speak to me. Not that God won't tell me certain things. You have the Holy Spirit. The very presence of God. The Spirit of God living on the inside of you. And God will speak to you about your life. I'm all for getting counsel and praying and asking people... But I can just tell you in my life, the way I do it is I go to the Lord and I get an answer. And then I come back to other people and I say, this is what I believe the Lord's telling me. Will you pray with me about it? I don't come to other people and say, hey, will you tell me what the Lord says? That way I can, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Why? Because when things get rough, I'm going to say, you told me the Lord said. And then all of a sudden, why? Because your confidence was never in the Lord. It was in the person who spoke to you. Now, I mean, and look, and it's just part of my belief. And, it, and I've been in situations and circumstances where pastors would stand and say, this is what you need to do and this is how you got to do it. And real legalistic. I don't believe that's in line with Scripture. You have the Holy Spirit. I trust Him and I trust you. That's why I don't have to say, I mean, y'all going to Fast. If you ain't fasting, I'm praying the Lord's going to smite you. I mean, I I don't need to know every detail. Why? Because I trust the Holy Spirit. And for me, it's more important for you to learn the voice of God than it is for me to rule with an iron fist. It's more important for you to know the voice of God, to be able to, to listen and to hear from Him. Why? Because... I'm not always around. I'm not always available. Nor is anybody else for that matter. And there are times that you've got to hear from God for yourself. And the truth is your growth will be stunted until you learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. You will only get so far because you can only hear so many messages and people only know you so much. Why? Because the Bible's very clear. Man judges by the outside. But the Lord looks at the heart so the Holy Spirit can speak things to us that nobody else even knows we just think it's our little secret well between you, the Holy Spirit, Jesus and the Father I don't know if that's I mean, you know there's nothing hidden before the Lord so there's things that He'll speak to your life that nobody else even knows about and He won't do it to embarrass you now remember if God points it out there will be a supernatural grace and an ability to overcome the very thing that He's challenging you in God doesn't point things out to make us feel bad. God points things out so that he can empower us to get over it. To move beyond it. That's why the Bible says in Romans 8 that we are more than conquerors. I'm not just a little bit conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror in Christ. Through the power of God in my life. and the power of God in your life. God can do more when we give him what's first. When we surrender to him. That principle... Of God, I want to, I want to give you the first part of my year. And I know that if I'll give you the first part of my year, the rest of my year can be abundantly blessed. So God, what, what's your desire for me this year? What do you want for me? What do you want me to believe for? What do you want me to stretch out in some areas? Because God is faithful and all we need to do is hear from Him. And when we hear from Him, He will bring about His purposes and His desires in our life. Amen.